Hello, welcome to the Higher Ground Podcast. This is Andrew McFarlane, and you're listening to episode six. Now, this one's a little bit different today. I used to work in the film and TV industry many years ago, and I've still got a lot of friends still in that space. And that's who I'm talking to today, one of those friends. His name is Jared Joseph. He's an amazing, talented actor. He's on the show The 100. He was on Once Upon a Time the killing, and many more. And today we sat down to talk about that career, life as an actor, the ups and downs, and what he's hoping to do next. It's a little bit different than sports and climbing, which I usually focus on, but film and TV is another huge passion of mine. So I was excited to sit down and talk to my friend, and hopefully you enjoy the conversation. Sit tight, and let's get into it. How we look? We cute? Looks like a real set. Today I'm here with Jared Joseph. He's a good friend of mine. We met 10 years ago on set, we shot a feature film together. We played friends in the film, became friends in real life. And he's gone on to have a wildly successful career in film and TV. And we're here to talk about that. We're gonna talk about film and TV today and all that experience and all that stuff. So here we go. We we're just talking about The 100. Jared is on The 100, which has gone, I don't even know how many, how many seasons? Seven. Seven seasons. Yeah. And it's ending now. It's ending now. It's ending yeah, we're, I think we're week three of the, the final stretch. So we did 16 episodes this season, though, so. And now it's like, next step. Next now move. it's unemployment, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not for too this long. This is the life of an actor. Yeah. Isn't it? Feast or famine. Feast or famine, but fortunately I had a job for, for years. Those years went by very quickly, it feels. Yeah, it's not normal to, to walk onto a show for a day, which is what I was expected to do and end up staying for seven years of my life, so. Wait, you had just like a co-star appearance, like one, yeah. one, and they kept writing you in? I was just a dude, yeah. I didn't even have a character name. It was uh, Bellamy's the lead male character, yeah. and my character's name was Bellamy's guy. And I had came in to replace a young actor who I think wasn't, wasn't available or not working out. I've heard multiple things. I don't know, but uh, that ain't my business. <laughs> I, uh, that happens all the time, too. It does happen, yeah. yeah. So I get let go. Yeah. She so, came on and they're like, we like this guy. I think so. I just, I don't know if they even liked me. I just think I was uh, not offensive. I think I was, I didn't take up too much space that it made sense. If you're going to keep bringing in a new character for that role of like the baddie or whatever, it's yeah. like, why not just bring the same guy back? Yeah. And then they ended up giving me my name and here we are. A couple of years later. Yeah. Now I've traveled the world because of this show and. That's the craziest thing. There's a lot of fans for this show. Yeah. It's very popular. Yeah, we do good over here in Europe. Yeah, and Paris and France yeah. and a lot of fans. A lot of fan conventions, like the sci-fi world, as you know. Is it's wild, isn't it? I might be going to one when I'm 52. You never know, right? That's really cool. Yeah. I think that's cool. I dropped in on one of them here. You're yes. doing it here in London. And I was just blown away by all the people that showed up and were just so obsessed, so in love. They knew all of your movies and yeah. like shows and waiting forever. That's the trip, isn't it? When you're like in that state, like you don't know, like you have an impact on people and oh, their yeah. lives and they consume a lot of what you do. And then they see you in real life. Especially if anybody watching this has ever watched the show, you know, I don't do too much on it. So it's always a shock to me that anyone cares enough to meet the guy that plays that little character. Yeah. And there's really no shortage of, of people that come out to see me. And it's, it's pretty damn cool, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think when we started, I don't think we were even thinking that far ahead, you know. And granted, we're not talking like 
Marvel-esque can't go anywhere loss of anonymity yeah but yeah. this little microcosm for people to yeah, care is yeah, yeah. it's really cool yeah that's a different world like when you can't go somewhere sometimes you talk about the marvel guys and yeah everything like that yeah i personally think that would be almost a nightmare <laughs> i don't know what you think about it but i remember i know another one of our mutual friends we went out to dinner and we're just eating and then we had like a couple people come up and ask for signatures and everything like that. And that's just like going about your day-to-day -day life yeah. and things. That to me is where it gets a little crazy is um, you can just be out anywhere and your whole life is kind of under a microscope. I love it when I go to a gym and I have people come up to me and talk about climbing. Yeah, and yeah. Talk, oh, I saw this video. They recognize um, you. They recognize yeah. me. They've seen the channel. They love it. And I love that. But then you, you leave the climbing gym and it's you're just another regular person 100%. climbing community is super small film acting tv that stuff it's just like insane to think about going nowhere and always or going anywhere and always being recognized well yeah that's the thing is i don't know what is planned for me in the future big things you know? big things yeah, yeah i hope so but <laughs> at the very least i think this experience served as a preparation for it um because when i come and do these conventions they don't know that i go back to canada and i sit on the couch for days at a time stinking it up you know they don't know that that's the my friends He's a regular dude the regular dude yeah like my friends don't give a shit about me you know they're i'm just their their guy but yeah. when i come here I'm, I'm treated a certain way and it feels incredible but like you said when i get out of the microcosm it's just normal yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but for those two days feels very special and stuff like that but yeah i can't speak to that that level of fame but i would imagine that there's good and bad with it right good and bad you can get get a lot of things get you into get a, a lot, lot of things. places yeah but then you sacrifice a part of yourself to do that and yeah you got to be careful too because fortunately for me not being famous is that i've got to get away with doing a lot of dumb stuff that i would like to erase from my my memory but I wouldn't be able to if it was online or whatever. It's like, I wasn't ready. You, I wouldn't have been ready for that level of anything with the guy that I've been, you know. Yeah. But each year you prepare yourself for maturity or whatever. You, you just change as a person. But yeah, I, I would imagine if I had that level of fame back then, I would have done something to screw it up. Because I wasn't done screwing up. The crazy <laughs> thing about today's age, though, is that like that recall of everything being online, yeah. it can happen to almost anyone. When we were in high school, there was no Facebook. No. They didn't have any of that. I remember everyone saying, as soon as you leave high school, you're never going to see these people again. Doesn't matter. It's over. Didn't really believe it. New life. You didn't believe that? Well, I, I was skeptical about it. I thought... it's all you knew. Well... You, you were in that high school bubble. Yeah. And I thought, well, you leave, you go somewhere else. You can define yourself however you want to do it. Yeah. Nowadays, everyone is creating like a blueprint or a fingerprint of themselves online. They're defining themselves somehow. And that can be recalled for as long as you live. The level of censorship that people this 
that like have to go through these days yeah. is on another level. I think. I don't. Do you ever censor? Have to censor yourself when you're posting stuff because you got to oh, think about. Sure. <laughs> you got to think about the career and the longevity and. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Andrew. The impact of it all. Uh, I've been off Twitter for about a year now, and I realized early on that that's not a place for subjective mm. anything. Really, right? Uh, it's. I think when you do this for a living, it's much better to be to live in the black and white world, and to not necessarily search for nuance in your discourse. So, getting offline in that on that app was the best thing I ever did because I, I believe I was getting close to a point where I kind of shoot myself in the foot uh, in the long term, just by potentially having conversations that. If you're a public figure, you're just not supposed to have. You can make statements if they're the popular statement, but very, very, we're not talking about a sex tape or some thing you've ever sent somebody. We're talking about an outlier view of something, putting you in a box Mm -hmm. and then potentially screwing up jobs you have in the future because they don't align with someone that might hire you. Mm-hmm. or the fan base that they're seeking. Mm-hmm. I've seen this happen, man. And I th- one of the, the biggest regrets that I've made, because when you and I were chilling, we didn't really know a lot of actors or yeah. we weren't really in that world, is that I became super involved in the acting community and I befriended a lot of people. Uh, and I don't regret these friendships, but I maybe would have been a little more reserved with the information that I share and Hmm. because you could get away with shit with your best friends who you've known your whole life that these people that you've only chilled with for a little bit will hold against you I think and I think I would have got less involved and not lost the focus of the work in doing that job but instead of encapsulating the whole high school experience that also comes with it when you're in the Hollywood thing. Yeah. I would have done that very differently because again, that's not really an environment where you can have what is political, sociopolitical. Mm-hmm. Those conversations aren't necessarily welcome. Group think yeah. is welcome. But again, yeah. I'm suspicious that I have made decisions yeah. with things I've said uh-huh. that have potentially hurt me and the acting space it's a small world when you get into that when you get into that circle yeah all the casting directors know you the Mm -hmm. studios know you the other actors know you when you're in you can just i can see how that i think the high school reference is is a good one because it applies it applies there everyone it's kind of funny. We are just talking about leaving it. And now you get back into that whole thing. Yeah. Would you say, do you, th- do you get the sense of like being in there that a certain percentage of people who are really just kind of cutthroat and competitive, do they ever feel, do you think there's like a, a, a feeling of like being threatened by someone else? Cause that person could t- take your job in some way. Yeah. I would say the majority of people that I've ended up befriending don't really have that mentality. The healthiest thing you could do in this industry is not believe that someone that got a job took a job from you. But if you're if you're viewing it in that way, that me versus him thing, yeah. then it'll get you and you'll become this little monster, right? Because you're going to, for people who don't know, you go on tons of auditions yeah. and you lose, you lose most of them. Yeah. It's like most of them don't come your way. Most of them just like... It's just passing by. If you look at everyone as like one lost, then you're going to feel like 
you're constantly beating your head up against something and losing to other people where you got to think long term, the right role is coming for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll find it as long as I'm just persistent enough. And I've, I've lucked out by having those kinds of friends with that mentality. But I, I've met a lot of monsters, too, that I are just waiting for. Yeah. I know some some cats that'll ask you about something that you've shared with them that's like going on with you. And you can see in their eyes that they're asking you so that you will tell them it's not yet resolved. Not like a friend would ask you and be like, man, is that thing okay? Mm-hmm. They're asking like, is that thing okay? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're hoping that it's not okay because it serves them. Yeah. And I, I just can't be around that kind of crap, man. Life's too short for that. Yeah. So if I can voluntarily hang with my friends or people like that, fortunately, I, I'm at least wise enough to discern that kind of person. Yeah. But yeah, they exist, man. Someone hearing some bad news about you is good news for them. Wow. wow. That should exist. You're still on Instagram, though. I think Instagram's a weird one in the film world because so many like people love metrics. They love something measurable. They think yeah. that... You have a huge following somewhere that's going to put eyes on the screen, asses in the seats. It's the new resume, Andrew. Right? It's, it's like if you can boost that up enough, I don't know. Have you seen, have you ever seen it where a person might get a job because of that 100%. over the skill set? 100%. I mean, hopefully the skills uh, accompany it, but it's not that far fetched because if I was casting and I had X amount of money, X amount of backing, if I'm looking for my leads, I'd like to see who already knows who my leads are yeah. so they can bring those people with them to my thing. Yeah. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But whether that's right or wrong, that's what's going to, that's going, that's where we're going, right? What about, what about the Canadian scene? For people who don't know, a lot of the Canadian productions cater to American studio, American studios and American uh, TV shows, films and stuff like that. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll do a lot of their main casting out of L.A. They'll get their leads, the people that are the the main people in the show, bring them up to Canada. They'll fill out some of the other spots with Canadians. There's a Canadian quota. So if you want to get if you want to get some rebates and discounts on your production, you go shoot in B.C. You put a certain amount of Canadians in there. The province will give you a discount to do that. The Americans like Vancouver because they got great workers, same time zone as LA. Mm-hmm. You get the discounts. Do you still see that a lot of those roles are going to Americans? They come up. Is it still still set up the same way? They fill it out there, or do you think are they trying to find a lot of Canadians as well? My manager describes it as Canada being uh, we're a service industry. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've heard we're that a one. Film yeah. industry, but a service industry. Yeah. It's pretty rare for me, at least, to to see the lead actors not already be cast by the time the show comes here, right? So, like you said, we fill out spots. And I was on an American show for seven years, is what we talked about. But there's only a handful of us that were there from the beginning to the end that were Canadian-born. I would say outside of the quota... We fill out the other roles still. It's it's kind of the same kind of as the what same. you remember, yeah. But you've gone to a point now, like s- some other people, you can go to LA. There's something called pilot season, if you guys don't know. A lot of the TV shows will line up their productions for the next year. You test it out with a pilot. 
So what they'll do is they'll get a bunch of actors in around like February. There's like a three month mm-hmm. like gap or so. They'll start hiring for those, shooting for those. They'll test it with an audience. They'll see how they perform and decide whether they're gonna green light a show to go forward. So you go down to LA, right? And you try and go for some of those uh, those leads, those main spots. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it a little bit. The the industry is shifting to this new virtual audition thing where geography is not really in the, it it helps to be there in person so they can smell you and see what your body language is like and know who you are as a person for that five minutes that you're in there. Yeah. But ultimately, if you're the if you if you can hang, then you can hang. Mm-hmm. So the initial taping. Is shifting more towards self tape, gotcha, okay. right? Yeah, and it helps the influx of actors that are coming into the rooms for them during that hectic period. Yeah, by doing at least the first audition by tape, mm-hmm. and the second and third can lead to you getting on a plane and going in there personally, right? So, okay. yeah. um, I do like to go to LA a, because I like to be in LA. Yeah, but I it's also part of that old school mentality of them familiarizing themselves with who I am. Mm-hmm. That that part's important to me. Yeah. The job is the job, but. Get to know the actor a little bit. You can't really do that over tape. But I, I think at this point, you can almost live anywhere for that first tape. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. People, they encourage people doing it on their iPhones now. They don't got to be beautiful. Yeah. First tape can be anywhere. So and another thing with the pilot season, that's changing a lot too because they're not just doing that first episode anymore. They're yeah. green lighting the entire season off the bat. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that changes a lot of things too. How do you like the way things have shifted now with all these new online players coming into the mix? Do you see it as an ultimately a good thing? Yeah, I don't think it's any different than it, it would than be. Than what it was before? No, you have 50 guys standing out in the room to go say the same seven words as the other guy. It's no different than them just doing it through click, click, click. I yeah. Mean, there's, there's always been too much of us. Yeah. There's always been too much. <laughs> right? If anybody's seen like films or vi- movies or something where they... They like make a joke of it. You walk into the room and there's like, I see like 10 other white guys that look like similar versions of yourself. It's exactly like that. It's just like that. It's the weirdest thing. Um, What do you think about like the Netflix and like Disney plus and Amazon and all these new, these new outlets for productions and everything like that? Do you think this is gotta be a good thing? It's only a good thing. It's only a good thing. It's only a good thing. You know, instead of CBS or whatever network back in the day, would they would pick up uh, one or two pilots. It's like I'm seeing all of these outlets that you're talking about come in with six shows. Boom. Right. Yeah. There's never been more jobs, man. Yeah. There's never been more jobs. It is like I look at the, the progress of things and it yeah. seems like a really exciting time. So like in the 90s, it was like the heyday of like TV and like film really they made a lot of movies back then you had low budget 20 million whatever they have like yep. bigger budget things jared and i got into acting at the recession which is yeah, it, was the, it was like the hard it was like the worst time to try and do something like that because you got all the studios cutting down on everything people talk people wonder why why are there so many marvel movies why are there so many superhero movies is because the finances make sense you need like they put more money into one film that they know is a guaranteed return. Yeah. They bet on an international release. It's not just the U.S. market. You can take it to China. You can take it. Europe. You can take it anywhere. It's going to sell, make tons of money. So they make less films, bigger budgets, 
less actors. They just pack them full. And then TV was getting shot down too at that point. But now we've got like, there's like a renaissance. I don't, I enjoy. I'm finding myself enjoying TV more than oh, movies absolutely, now. Absolutely, man. It's same here. If did you feel like you, you can develop a character? You can develop. There's no limit to. You got two hours to tell a story. I don't want two hours. I want ten. I want ten hours, yeah. and still you could still be just cracking the surface of like some of these meaty characters. I think people like the luxury of it too because of a film being X amount of minutes. When you get into that film and you realize that film is not for you, you're kind of stuck with that film and you want to see it through. With the show, I think, like you said, the longevity, uh, the, 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 the stretching out of the storytelling gives you time to, I'm going to give it another shot. I want to see, I'm going to see, I'm going to see. It just, that's a huge luxury, I think. These are becoming 10-minute movies. Our favorite movie stars are the leads of these TV shows now. So the quality is insane, man. Yeah. This is the golden age of television. It's so good. It's incredible. And I, I know during this, this, this period here, over the last three months, the unnamed period, I've been getting back into shows. I boycotted watching TV for about four years, the last four years of my career. Really? I just, I didn't think the quality was even being aspired for. Yeah. Because uh, the amount that we were churning out just made me skeptical of like, oh, it's probably not going to be any good. I mean... But damn it, man! There are some good ass shows hidden. In okay, there. so what do you what do you got going on right now? What's what's happening? Succession really stands out for me. Succession? I haven't yeah. even heard of this show. It's an HBO series. It is fire. It's kind of a fictionalized take on the Murdochs family, uh, yeah. the Trump family, if you will, like those New York mogul families, and their, yeah, the, the, and their spoiled brat kids, essentially vying to be their father's successor it's just that corporate world mm-hmm. they i think they did a really awesome job with it i really enjoyed the morning show the apple tv series how good was that so good yeah it was so good you talk about a-listers coming in you talk about a long movie oh my god i didn't want that to end no. that was so good and i really you know what i really appreciate about that show is that there are messages in that show mm-hmm. but they don't spell out for you what each character's political leaning is or their ideology in any way is they crafted characters so well enough that by the end of it you knew you could you could guess who that character would have voted for what that character thinks of this issue yeah they crafted such great characters and they didn't spell anything out for us and i think that's a problem with a lot of shows is spelling it out for you they were so nuanced so nuanced and the characters were so round well-rounded that You had sympathy at times, yep. and then at other times you thought you were the most like evil, wretched human being, and that's real life. That's, that's real life, that's sir. That's how it is. Yeah. I always say, man, we ain't just one thing, and you can't. that's the problem. We were talking about the reputations in, in, in the industry, right, and how they can change so quickly is that you do something, and then you're that person to someone for the rest of your career, when in reality it's like that's a very small part of you. You're a bunch of other things that won't get talked about because no. it doesn't matter. You're that thing. That's you get labeled, and get that's labeled. it. Yeah. So we have a tendency to make our shows very black and white in that way too. I think the audience has matured along with everything else. Yeah. People's understanding of characters and all of these these nuances we're talking about is vast. The people just get it. Yeah. We can't undermine the audience anymore. No. We can't no, do it, man. No. Why would you want to? It would just be so. It'd be so boring. I'll tell you, man. I stopped. I, like I said, I stopped watching. And I also, there was a period where I started to realize that the characters are just 
saying whatever worldview that writer has. They became mouthpieces for the people creating the thing. And that's not what I was ever into or what we were into watching things. I'm sure there's messages in there, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, how many movies are about writers? How many movies are about like <laughs> writers trying to write a screenplay or something? Yeah. And you're just like, come on. Yeah. I know this is you. Exactly. I see, I see you behind there writing this, thinking this is gold, thinking that everybody is going to relate to this yes. character. It's just you. It's just you. Man. Nobody else. But I'll tell you what, I think it made me a worse actor, not watching TV anymore, not watching movies anymore, because the inspiration is there, right? Yeah. You see these actors that you admire and you know, a performance you admire. It's not like you copy it, but you're like, I can't wait to do that. Right? It gets you amped up. Yeah. And I lost that for a bit, man. And it's good to be back. That's good. We used to go watch yes, movies did. together yeah. and then we dissect yeah. how the actors' choices and what they did and yeah. like what we liked and didn't like. I love that. I kept our movie stub on my fridge. Do you remember did what you? movie it was for? Shit, no, I don't. Social yeah. Network. Social Network. Yeah. I put that on my fridge film. and that great was great like, film. It inspired me. How do you feel about your acting as a craft? I feel like being an actor can be really tough sometimes, no matter what stage you're at. There's a sense that sometimes it's almost not enough, or maybe you're not in the place that you thought you were going to be or you want to be. I don't know if that breeds complacency at all or anything like that, but if you're working all the time, you know your character, you know what you got to do when you show up to work and you do that great. And then you get home, you decompress. These are long days, your 15-hour days and all these things. You want to chill out, do something different. Right. Does it, do you ever feel like, you're obviously keeping sharp because you're on set and you're doing your thing, but do you, like you're talking about the inspiration, do you ever yeah. feel like you get rusty in other situations where oh, absolutely. the choices you make as an actor, your ability to find different little character tweaks and things yeah. like that? There's a thin line between knowing the character and knowing the job and not putting any work into what you're doing. And I'll admit I've been guilty of it in some sense because... I've already mentioned that my character doesn't really do much on the 100. So my bubble was burst at a certain point when I realized, or I believed, that being good at it was such a, a small part of it. And I was there on that show to fill a part. Mm-hmm. I had my, my role. I had my gun. I was the guy. Then I started to get maybe a little cynical, if not cynical and complacent about Oh, it doesn't really matter. I I haven't been directed by anybody for a long time. I guess I'll just do this. Here I am overthinking that you got to be really good. You got to put all this work in when really you're serving a purpose by being this character and for this bigger machine, right? Mm -hmm. And that resulted in me definitely becoming a worse actor. And I didn't see it happening as it was happening. And like we talked about the, the, the fan conventions and stuff like that. I started to put the focus on the wrong things in the, in the sense that like the popularity or the fact that it, it seems like you guys don't care if I'm doing a good job, so I'm not going to overly focus on it, took over what we really loved was how do we get good at this thing and like how we become like these little artists and stuff like that. And I lost that for a bit because I wasn't seeing it around me. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying watching these, these these shows, it reminded me that, oh, if they were 
as complacent as I would, they would have been gone from this fucking show because the standard is so high. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that people on my show didn't have high standards. I'm just saying that we weren't necessarily made to. Yeah. And it was on us if we wanted to be better actors or better characters to put that work in because at least for myself, no one ever really checked in with me saying we need this from you or that from you. So I became a little down about it. Yeah. So I'll come hold the gun. But that's not everywhere. That was my situation. So when I went to audition again, I was like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, the skill set. Our show is a great show, but there's a lot of bad shows where you've watched it and you've been like, that guy doesn't look like he really worked hard at this. He's just kind of just talking. And it's like, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But do you want to be an actor that can only do that kind of acting? Because if you're called upon it to do some beast role, Mm-hmm. You just won't have the ability to do it. You need, you you need the range. You need, you need the range, you need, man. You need to be ready to go. Yeah. So, I but that's the hard thing when you were talking about like knowing how how your piece fit on the greater yeah game of what you're building there. I, I totally understand that too. In a sense, it's healthy. You got to yeah. because. If you're out there trying to like, you're trying yeah. to like overdo everything, people will be like, people get pissed off. I'm the main actor. I'm the, like, yeah. you, you got to have that focus on, yeah. they want, the writers want the focus, the director wants the focus. Anyway. Like a sports team, right? There's a QB. There's a QB. Everything else. There's a deep ass bench and I was on the bench. But that didn't mean it had to affect everything. Yeah. And it did. But here's the tough thing too. Because you get on something like that and you have years of work. You you know, unless you get written off somehow, you know yeah. this is your job for the for the future. And there's some comfort in that. Maybe there's some discomfort in that as well. If you want to be the main person or if you want to be at some other level, I don't know. I think that's the question, right? It's like the whole reach for the brass ring. What are you supposed to do in that situation? Do you not ruffle feathers? Do you just hold the damn gun and make a facial expression? Like, I honestly became confused about what my whole position there was. Mm-hmm. And I searched for answers. I tried to talk. But when it seemed like no one was interested in me improving this character or improving my work, or I honestly, to be honest, I never knew why I was there half the time, Andrew. Mm-hmm. And... It didn't seem like anyone was in a rush to tell me or to help me uh, figure it out. So I, like I said, I believed, oh, this is what the industry is really like. All that shit about scribbling on the thing and getting all your stuff, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter, does it? But it was just me because I was the guy on the bench. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the right approach is. Each crew is going to be different. Each producer, each director is going to need a different kind of pat on the back. Right. You know? So you navigate these waters trying to appease and there's no right way to do it. And in the midst of me trying to figure out who that is, I found myself. So Hmm. You found yourself? Yeah. In what way? I I just, instead of masks or personas or... Should I have went to dinner with this writer or this director? Should I have did this or that? It's like, I'm going to let the the person that I am guide 
you know, be the guy. I want to be the guy that my friends like me for. Mm-hmm. Translate that into the workplace, and that doesn't mean offending people or whatever. It's just trusting that you're enough as the guy that you are or yeah. girl that you are, and folk refocus on the work. If the fucking work is good, nothing else will matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, you that reminds me of Jordan. Have you watched The Last Dance? Have you watched that? Yeah, 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 yeah. He has the same line. He's like. If I focus on what I'm doing as a basketball yeah. player, everything else will fall in the line. It's, that's why I got the deals. That's why I've got you yeah. know the Nike. That's what, everything. Yeah. Because he's the best player out there. Actors, don't worry about whose ass you got to kiss or <laughs> saying the right thing to X, whatever. Be good. Because it, it's despite what I was going through, it does exist. And it still is the number one thing. I believe that. I, when we were starting out, to have a role on a show like you do yeah. was like the ultimate. That was like, yeah. there's all these, like, it's funny these like stages. Cause you go to, you go to, you go to an acting school, you get you start getting into it. The first, there's barriers every single step of the way, every step you get people that want to be actors. They can't get an agent. You get an agent, you get an agent. It's about getting you in the room to see the casting director. You hit that, you get past that obstacle. The casting director likes you. All right, we're going to let you see the director, producer. Great. You come in, maybe they don't like you, but eventually one, it's like, okay, you're on set now. You get your first gig. Maybe you get lines. You get to say something. You get a couple lines on a show or something. You hit that obstacle. Now you got to like get into the union. Now it's like, oh, you get past seven lines. Now you're, you're this. Oh, you made it in. You're like a guest star or something and it's just like these little obstacles every step of the way and at each point someone can just say no that's it you can get you can get a job and then not see another job for months yep you got to do something else to put food on the table it's you go on hundreds of auditions of people they don't even say no they don't even say anything (laughs) you just you got to put in the work hours of learning your lines learning your sides you go in you take time off and it's just one thing after another and you don't hear anything back. These little breakthroughs and like you get onto a show multiple seasons because yeah. a lot of shows get canceled after the first year. You never hear them again. Yeah. That's a sweet thing. Yeah. But then, I mean, the flip side is the role you have, the, the job that you have is only fulfilling to a certain degree still like more that you want. And like a lot of people have jobs out there, it doesn't matter what you do, it can provide so much for you in so many ways. And there's still another side of you, that outlet that still needs to be expressed in some way. I don't know, it's tough. Yeah. I, I wonder what someone like DiCaprio thinks. Do you think that guy's ever just like, you think he's, un, is, you think he's ever restless? Well, I feel like he's a guy that if he is restless, he goes, changes it really, really quickly. His, his desire, director's desire, Anything you want. Whatever he wants. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, You you hit the nail on the head because I've seen it happen. And to me, to a degree, it's happened to me. But we have this dream of like, if only a day on set, man, I would just love a day on set. You get a day and you get a little recurring thing and you're there a couple times a month. With each, this is as a person, you have to watch for this because it's like almost crisis hopping. You resolve one thing, you scratch it off and you don't like that empty space where that crisis was and you have to put another thing there. So the recurring role now, it's not a series, right? 
get the series regular, you want to be a fucking movie star. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful not to be hopping to each uh, thing and not seeing what's happening to you. Because seven years of my life just went by. And before that happened, I would have killed for that. And I've worked with actors that I know would have done anything for a day. They get the day, they get the season, and they don't. They're miserable, man. It's a tricky thing. I've seen some monsters, and I've seen myself go in that direction. It's not a good thing. Um, they, if you forget the guy that you you forget that you were doing the construction, or you were doing the serving, or you're working in the store. You yeah. forget that so damn quickly, and I don't know how it happens. Yeah. But you go. You can't. You can't fluctuate between too much self esteem and none. And far too many people do that. They get down on themselves and then they get too damn up on themselves. Yeah. And I was like, man, I wish I was working. And then they're working. It's like, yeah, of course I would work. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's like, where did you come from? <laughs> Where's the middle where you're like, I would love a job. Okay, I got a job. That's amazing. Living there. We're not talking about like a fake humility thing, mm. but actually having mm. your eyes open to what's happening to you. Because if that's happening, you'll never be fucking happy. Right. Yeah. Never be happy because you'll be waiting. You'll be looking for something else to get mad Grass about. Grass is always greener. Grass is always greener, man. Yeah. But when your life changes it for the better, make sure your eyes are open for it. You'll miss it all. So You were one of the first guys I know that was like, um, you were all in. I remember you, were, you, you got a place in Vancouver. And I think, I don't remember what you booked, but you booked something and you're like, I'm an actor. I'm going to make all my money from acting. Yeah. And I think you were close at times of not being able to make rent or something. Oh, no. But you use that pressure to get that next job. Yeah. And you put it all out there. Yeah. You made it work. So you came from Calgary over. I did. Did you know any actors growing up? Over? No. No. No, no, Did no. you have any idea about the industry before just like jumping over? No. No. No, I came from that, that world where the, the weird kids did the theater and they wanted to be actors. And it's like, it wasn't like a cool thing that guys even talk about doing, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't even, no, not a part of my life at all, man. Um, what led me to do it was ultimately a lack of other choices. And I had got myself in so much trouble and backed myself into a corner where the only thing I could have done was continue to do construction. I have a, like a 10th grade education, you know, I left school, I got in trouble with uh, the law. And by the time I was 22 and I was like, well, okay, you've really dug yourself a hole. What are you going to do? Yeah. I had to bring it down to what, cause I know you're a huge fan of films. Yeah. Right. And I had to decide what I liked as a person, not for a job. What do you like that yeah. doesn't hurt nobody, doesn't hurt yourself? Well, movies are cool. Okay. It was just like that. Yeah, well, because I had nothing to lose. At that point, I was my life stunk, man. If it wasn't that, it would have been nothing. Yeah. So I was used to rejection at that point. I was worth, used to being broke at that point. So I figured, why not go do it trying to do something you might like doing. And it was also an excuse to appease the people in my life in a lot of ways. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You... I'm thinking I'm gonna... I would tell them I'd go be an actor or something like that. And yeah. I eventually took the move. But yeah. no, man, it was just uh, like picking something out of the phone book, essentially. That's wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 
but ultimately no different than you. You know, you were a fan of it. Huge fan. Huge fan. People thought it was crazy. Yeah. I'm from Ottawa, which is pretty similar to Calgary, I think. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody was an actor. The same thing. Yeah. I never did theater at high school. No. People ask me that. I'm like, no, I was playing sports. I was doing other things. Yeah, I was a jock. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. Yeah. There was like a stigma towards yeah. that group. And yeah, I anyway, I studied philosophy and film. I thought I would be a screenwriter at some point. Yeah. Did an acting class. This is how this is how small acting is in Ottawa. The only acting class I found was a guy who did a Fido commercial. He he did a he did a big like nationwide Fido commercial. He teaches a class in Ottawa. Great guy, really nice. Yeah. Even he was like going to Toronto to work, but he like lived in Ottawa and stuff. Yeah. That was it. And I did one class. Like that's it. Moving to Vancouver. When you're young, it's good to be kind of kind of. Um, naive about some things i thought yeah i know it's a struggle people keep telling me yeah it's a struggle your odds of making it stacked against blah, you blah. doesn't matter headstrong yeah. i knew yeah. i was going it's happening yeah. that's it i'm gonna be good doesn't matter what i uh i think that's a good decision in life is when you have a passion you just yeah. go for it you try it yeah. instead of thinking what if i do, andrew i probably i would have been deader in jail yeah, you've said that before. I 100%. I 100% would. Because it gives you, this is giving you purpose in it's life. It's giving me purpose, man. And there's nothing worse than a nameless life, a nameless heart. And that's exactly what I was. I was lost, hurt, pissed off. And I romanticized my future by picking this thing in a sense. It's like, yeah. okay, if you spent seven years doing this and you did nothing with your life, even if you don't make it in any way, you can just go do it for a decade. Wouldn't you rather kill time doing that than whatever you're planning to do with your degenerate mind? And yeah, I found my place, man. Um, not necessarily the community. You know, fortunately, I have essentially the same friends that I've always had and I've met amazing people along the way. Yeah. But I wasn't looking for the community like a lot of actors are. Right. Looking yeah. for the friend group, looking yeah. for the, uh, the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking for the occupation. I was looking for the career, you know. Yeah. So I found that. Here we are. What what would be like the dream next next thing? I'd love to be on a drama. Uh, I always gravitate towards that stuff. Mm -hmm. Heavy heavy handed dramas, the Showtimes, the HBOs, something like that. Those kind of networks because I just know how how dirty they get and how dark they get. I love that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, man. One thing that I've realized over the years is that uh, you're going to have ideal roles and you're going to have ideal directions for your career. But job security is something that is so important to me at this point, you know, mm -hmm. uh, wanting to start a family, have a, have a real life. Um, even if it's not a, a show right away, if I hop from project to project, that's an awesome life. I'm not, if I don't become Will Smith and that's completely fine with me, but I admire these actors that get to pop in, pop, 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 pop. I love that, that, you know, those kind of guys and. Yeah, I just want to continue to work, man. Long story short, I'd like to continue to fund my life and finance my life through this job and, you know, start the next step of my life outside of acting, which is owning a home, owning, you know. Yeah. I'm interested in that stuff. And the young me wasn't interested in that shit. He just wanted to make enough to party, eat, whatever, you know, <laughs> get a girl. At what age did that hit you? 
Because I know when I was getting towards 30, mm-hmm. that like point where I was like, I want to get married and yeah. I want to like move. I wasn't a series regular or anything. Yeah. That financial stability is huge and like huge. being able to make these life's decisions. The most stressful thing about acting is that complete uncertainty. It would make the majority of people, I think, really uncomfortable yeah. with living that type of life. For me, I was like, oh, I need I need more stability in, in that way. Yeah. At what point did that start hitting you? Well, I've been fortunate to have had <clears throat> jobs outside of the 100 as well, which yeah. perhaps made me think that I've arrived in some sense and yeah. I didn't really have to worry about ever making the money because, oh, by the way, this is going, that this is obviously going to continue. But then I think like around the time that you're talking about the 30s, you start to think about, okay, that might be true and maybe you think you're awesome, but there might be a little break in in there and you're still going to have to support a family and support yourself. So I would say in the last couple of years, because when you're this transient with his backpack and his script, it's one thing. But when you have a livelihood of someone else and yourself, it's way more important. So it's made me better with my money. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not what you make, it's what you save. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm learning all of that stuff um, because you live for the moment. You never have to worry, but I don't do that anymore. So Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty new feeling for me. Yeah, single Jared did not give a shit. <laughs> did not. Did not. You know. That's good though. That's that's, yeah. that's growth, right? This is a good place to be. I mean, I admire like we talked about these actors that I admire. You you see that they go to work and they go home and they have a, a real life outside of it. And I desire a real life outside of it. It I think it's good to have that balance. Mm-hmm. If you are surrounded in that one space all the time, and if it turns a certain way, it's you don't have anything to fall back on, really. That support no. system is just... And we hate that, that idea of a backup plan. You don't need a backup plan. Need a backup. Have some backup money, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. safe. Be, be responsible. Yeah, have yeah, some yeah. backup money especially a pandemic comes up or something exactly come oh that's the thing i I signed a car a car lease in january that had i known this was going to happen i would not have signed it i don't need that damn car you know (laughs) sitting sitting at home (laughs) exactly so those decisions you know they matter man and they have to um i gotta say this guy was one hell of an actor still is still once an actor always an actor He's a beast. That's really kind. Canadian uh, Brad Pitt. You got it or you don't. You got it. I always like thinking about coming to talk to you. I, was, I, I don't think about the world. I think about it all the time. I watch films and all this stuff all the time. And I watch other actors. I go see theater and stuff here. I like to watch actors and see their choices and all that stuff. It doesn't go away. But I was thinking back on, on like auditions. I always wanted to ask you, what's like, do you have an audition that was like the most memorable for you in some way? Anything that was like kind of crazy that happened to you? I was thinking back on mine, some of the most insane ones. I usually tell people about auditioning for Star Wars because that was pretty crazy. I'll tell that. I'll tell. I'll tell that one if you you're thinking about yours. Yeah, for a please tell it. Yeah, uh, Star Wars was like the most secretive audition I ever went on because they can't let anything leak. Normally, when you got script, you got sides. 
it comes straight out from the pilot or the the movie or whatever for the role. In this one, they made up fake characters. They wrote a fake scene, and yep. you didn't know which role you were actually auditioning for. And they were just like doing a blanket search across from every country. Normally, you get the script the day before, so you can memorize the lines. They didn't do that here. You showed up. You had to sign an NDA. I got six pages of sides, and they're like, okay, you've got half an hour. Half an hour, memorize the six pages. You go in. (laughs) You do your thing. And you got to come back. They printed it on red paper because I think they're worried about photocopying. I don't know who's photocopying. He's just got a phone. But anyway, they're worried about stuff getting leaked out. But that one was like, I think that was like the most intense one. Yeah. The most crazy, just to know what was on the line too, because they love to get kind of new actors for those types of roles sometimes. Um, yeah, they do. And it's, that's it. They could like make, make your career. But when I went in there, I went into the, the audition room, you're waiting, and like everyone in there already had their own TV show. They were like, they were like, there's like a long list of, you know, you know, people who are going to, someone this else. Is Vancouver? This is in Toronto. I moved to oh, Toronto yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You saw the stakes. The stakes are high. Yeah. But I also went in there. I was like, oh, I'm not getting this. <laughs> and I look at the, I look at who they cast uh, for the role. Oh my God. I forget his name. He's like the Han Solo character. Uh, Oscar Isaac. Yes. Who I, oh, I love. love Oscar Isaac too. If we're talking about a direction for a career that man has got it down we're talking about the anonymity thing big massive star wars franchise yeah ex machina ex machina he can still one of my favorites he can wander the streets still like he's not so deep into that that world you can tell he's a guy that leaves the industry goes to work yeah He's got it damn perfect. I love his and career, man. You know, you know how much work he puts into it too. Oh, for sure, And he's man. so good. He's yeah. just so good. All the way down to drive. Like he's just got the coolest, coolest roles. Yeah. I'm such a fan of that guy. He's He's got quite the career for himself. Quite the career. If you could map one up, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one for me. And he's he's a Hispanic guy, but he's never really, he's only played a handful of Hispanic characters. I mean, he, he's played Jewish dudes and it's just, it's cool. It's He's so just cool. got such a luxury, man. Um, okay, for me, I guess I'll, I'll tell the story about the hundred. This was the time that you referenced earlier, you know, not having much money or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it was a bad time financially, put it that way. I had sold my car for like 300 bucks because I needed the money and it was dying on me anyway, so I sold it for parts. And uh, I get this audition for the hundred, maybe it was like my third or fourth audition for the hundred. At this point, I was never really cynical about the business yet, but I, it was my first time feeling like, this is a waste of time. They're not going to like me. I got I don't got money for gas. You're going to make me put gas in there or go all the way there for them to not hire me? What's the point? Yeah, yeah. So I'm super miserable about it. If I say, fine, I'll go. First time I've had this attitude. Mm-hmm. So I drive to uh, the audition. Lionsgate? Lionsgate. Lionsgate? Yeah. North side. Okay. Yeah. And I'm ready to get out the car. And I said, I don't know. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I get my phone out and I'm ready to message no my agent. Way. Yeah, I'm ready to say, look, this character is 41 years old. He's a widowed white dude. Why am I going for this? There's no point. 
So I'm like, okay, what am I going to say? I broke my ankle. No. <laughs> car accident. No, because then you got to get the thing fixed. You got to get all this. I'm trying to go through my, my list of excuses to get out of it. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Eventually I'm just, I'm sounding ridiculous. And I say, fuck it. I'm going in. Yeah. I'm going in. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I stop and I think I'm like older widow Denzel. You did Denzel? Just do a Denzel impersonation. <laughs> like, if you remember, like, in John Q, any movie where he's fighting for his wife or his dog, I want my son, I want my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. I'm like, just go do that. Yeah. Age yourself up. So I go in there, I walk in, I say, hey, guys. Hey, hey. Back of my mind, I'm like, oh, you're not, you don't like me. I'm a baby. <laughs> so I start doing it, and I'm like, I want my, and I, balls to the wall. I got nothing to lose. I want my fucking wife. I want to come to my dad. Yeah. I leave and they're looking at me like, thank you, Jared. <laughs> and I leave and I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, I suck. It was a waste of time. I get home, broke ass me. Yeah. Next day, my, my phone rings. My agent calls. She says, well, the hundred called and uh, you didn't get that role. I said, no shit, huh? <laughs> you don't say. But... They liked you so much that they're going to write a character for you. Wow. They're going to write a character for you. Yeah. Which ended up being the character that I play. But he took the place of another character, as ah. previously mentioned, yeah. who was just, they were just starting him mm -hmm. maybe an episode in. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, he, he stayed, right? But I took that spot of what they were trying to have him be because mm -hmm. of how aggressive I was. Mm -hmm. I think that reflected the character's energy that they wanted yeah. and that clicked for them to put me in that position not the other guy uh, that i auditioned for so if i hadn't even if i hadn't gone to that fucking audition i might have worked but my life would be very different right so and that's how the world that's how life is isn't yeah it? yeah they created that damn thing out of that and i'm forever grateful for it man that's amazing like we talk about our lives changing in, in a moment right there it is that's how it is when uh, opportunity meets preparation yeah. or preparedness. Yeah. And that is, that is it. They just saw how good you were. That's crazy. You yeah. brought your range in there. And that's yeah. what they want to see. They yeah. want to see someone they can work with who's got like the talents there. You've got the vulnerability. You've got yeah. – that doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. Too. Nobody's no. Usually, people aren't just out there writing roles for other people. So. No, they're not. And we believe that that getting discovered thing is going to happen, right? But it, like you said, it doesn't. But the very least that you could do is make yourself hard to resist. And I think that's what I did with my what I, whatever I brought in there. Definitely, they wanted me a part of their ship. They wanted me on the ship. What is, what's the saying? It takes ten years to make a, an overnight success, or whatever Straight it is. Up. You've been working so hard for so Straight long. Straight up, and whether that my role in the show is big or not at the end of the day. I have my complaints. I have my qualms with my experience on that show, but I got to feed myself and not worry about it for seven years. And I got to see the world. Yeah. I'm in London with you right now. I don't live here. It's but a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm hoping this happens more often. It, <laughs> you will see more of it, but yeah, the life I've been able to afford myself was because of that one moment. So mm. grateful. Have you seen any other shifts in the industry over the years of like um, change? They're making less movies. They're more bigger yeah. budget. Now we've got this, this new shift of more TV shows coming up, more players coming in. 
have you noticed the types of scripts changing at all? Like the types of stuff that's that's being made? Because you must have read tons of scripts over the years and seen a lot of shows come and go. There's a huge emphasis put on who is going to fill those roles and not just who the actor is, but what group is the actor a part of? And we're talking about the relationship between actors in the audition room earlier. Mm -hmm. I would say one good thing to come out of this emphasis on diversity uh, is that you have, especially in my group with the black actors, forever there was always this, it was never hostile, but there was a, you're taking my position kind of attitude that we had with each other. Because for so long, there can only be one of us per show. So they knew that one role for the black guy was up for grabs yeah. and you ain't going to take it. But one thing that's happened positively, there's pros and cons to this new movement, is that there's more than one black character or non-white character per show that the hostility between black actors is not anywhere near it was. There's less of a threat, like this idea that there can only be one of us at a time. There's yeah. so much less of that now because it's like, oh, you're going to eat. I'm going to eat. It's fine. It's all good. It ain't you versus me. Yeah. So that's yeah. one positive that I've really enjoyed is that yeah. we ain't so damn I remember, mad at each other. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, it was a real in, thing. In Vancouver at that time, like over a decade ago. Yeah. There weren't a lot of, lot of black actors. Mm-hmm. You would see, I mean, you end up seeing a lot of the same people in audition rooms. Yeah. A lot of the time, but for you guys, it was like the same, same people all the time, all the time. And it was very, I guess it, it would have been very competitive. Very competitive. It's, it's. And you were doing very well. Yeah, it was often the one that got it. Yeah. So granted, no one's ever an asshole to my face or anything, but there was always a feeling of like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not doing it to you. You're not doing it to me. But I understand it. It's got to be one of us. I get it. We're, I don't think white actors have ever had that same uh, bitterness with each other because if it ain't Bill, it might be Steve that you play, right? The, okay. the, 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 the opportunities are more, more vast. And I understand that, even though I've never really subscribed to that ideology. But I understand where the, the angst would come from with us. But I've seen that disappear greatly, man. And it's the best thing that could have happened. That's amazing. Yeah. It's not... It's not what it was. But I will say that <clears throat> one thing with if we're if we're heavily focusing on inserting the identity stuff into it, we have to not lose the emphasis on good scripts mm-hmm. and good storytelling. Ah, yeah, okay. You know, it can't come at the sacrifice of that. It should accentuate. And if something's written properly and it reflects the real world geographically, yeah. you will have a little bit of everybody in it. Yeah. But it cannot take it cannot take precedence over the quality of something. And that I've I've encountered that occasionally where yeah. it's like this there's a checklist here, but I just don't know what the story is. So I think the best place will be is when those worlds get merged together, where mm-hmm. it's not even a thought. If you're doing something that's set in New York City, every second person is going to be Hispanic or black. It's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. Reflect that. Yeah. You know, this ain't a 90s sitcom in New York. This is, let's change that. Yeah. But you, uh, at the same time, if something's based in Omaha, 
and it's about a family and they haven't been white, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily, you don't need to reflect that they have a black best friend or mm-hmm. a gay best friend because that might not be true. And it can take the audience out of the story because they don't buy that as the real, right, the yeah. real thing. Because now you're just writing a character out of, essentially, you don't want to become the victim of people calling you out for something, no, right? For sure. You're just, you're writing yeah. a character to save your ass exactly. as like an image, exactly. as opposed to writing a character to better the, the story in some way. Yeah. So you think this comes back to the diversity of writers that we have? Because if we get more people yeah. creating these stories, they're going to, I mean, we talked about a lot of writers write what they know. And a yeah. lot of times writers write about writers and they write about that experience that they have. So can we get more people with different? That's, that's kind of my preferred version of diversity is yeah. having the door open to whoever can do the damn thing, right? Yeah. It's like you don't necessarily need – it's almost like the diversity of the opportunities is where you wouldn't necessarily have looked for a bla- at a black director to direct this predominantly white project before. Mm-hmm. diversity to me is now that you you would look at that guy you would never look in his direction before but looking in his direction and not automatically dismissing his ability to do it yeah or it's not necessarily him taking the place because i don't want your spot i want my spot to exist and i think that's the way we got to do it especially with the writing too is like sure if you don't know this world yeah bring in someone that does it just makes the most amount of sense but when it when it and it's solely based on analytics and That's, saving your own ass. Yeah. The other thing I was just thinking about as we were talking is the content is now it's just a commodity. It's a product. Yeah. And you're gonna have pieces that are artistic by nature and driven by mm-hmm. the content that they have. And you'd hope that you have some really fucking good writers making some really great stuff, but sometimes you're, you're making something to cater to an audience. It's going to please some people and it's going to, it's got to check some boxes that you can package together and put it out there to make money. The placating takes the place of the, the story right. uh, way, way more often than I've, I've ever experienced before. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that there's more opportunities for everybody, people that look like me and whatever, but... Those people want to be in things that are good still, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it I think to everybody come, wants everybody that, Everybody right? wants to be in good stuff. Everybody wants to make the next Ozark or something. I don't know if you watched Ozark. I love it. I love Ozark. I love it. Not everyone's going to have that show. Oh, man. And then you're just going to, sometimes people are just going to end up on something that's not maybe feeding them creatively. Or they don't understand. Or they just don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it's it's only to make people online happy if you're only doing it for that then you're doomed right you're doomed man because the people that you're placating to know better and they know good stuff and if something's not good no one's watching it so you we have to hurry up and merge those worlds quality stuff that reflect the real world and it's still a work in progress and i know nothing can be fixed overnight right but the thing is is that we went so long not acknowledging that there are more people than just white people in yeah. these cities that we when we got called out on it we had we felt the pressure to make up for it overnight instead of a slow re- rebuild right 
So I think that's where we're at now. And I think it's eventually going to come around, smooth out where it's like, yeah, everything comes together at the same time. Do you think it started with the actors? Do you think sometimes the actors are what people see all the time? So it's easier to fill the people on screen with these diverse roles to show people, hey, look, we're doing stuff. Yeah. But there's still a lot of, I can't, I can't, I, I can't trying to remember like the Oscar awards and like, I just think about like the showrunners, the people creating these, the writers, they're going to dream up these characters and you know, so much of it, you do what you know. I don't know. Well, yeah, think about it, man. Like a 22 year old university graduate, single suburban white person with the task of writing this fully nuanced, well-rounded black American adult man character. I don't know if that is what we're trying to get across. I think, like I said, I think it's the diversity of the storytelling by the people that understand the storytelling. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone really had it in their mind that we were just yell at white people to write us. Write us. I don't think that's what people mean. And I think that's the way it's been taking. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. More, 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 more. I think people want the stories told. Stories of the black community, yeah. the LGBT community. They want these stories told in a good way by people that understand the world. Yeah. And historically, people that understand the world weren't always given the opportunity to do so. And they need that opportunity. Yeah. And I see that happening. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be a little messy along the way. Mm -hmm. And some stuff's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all with the right intentions. I'm really into documentaries. I and, too. And I think when you get a compelling real life story, it, it, it trumps almost anything. It's just... Oh, for sure. That's why we gravitate towards them, right? We're like, I want to go on this little journey here with this real issue yeah. rather than these, yeah. these characters that I'll potentially end up hating or being indifferent to. You mm -hmm. know, the captivation aspect is almost more guaranteed with a documentary. And I love that. I'm so interested in in actual people who are like the characters we love so much are so see. nuanced and well-rounded and that's what I want to see. Just there's so much real struggle in life that a good documentary you can just I don't know for me it's just it's it's amazing. Well think think about this Andrew. My character on the 100 at the end of the day he was a black gay man and over 7 years we never really got to know him. You know, mm -hmm. we don't know, know what he thinks. We don't know how he loves. And for me, that, that feels like a really big missed opportunity because it reflects what I'm talking about. It wasn't enough just to check those boxes off the list and then stick them in the corner. And it's not about myself wanting to see myself, want, be able to be more famous or whatever. I wish that that character had a shot at meaning something to someone. Because you did have two groups that would love that hero. But I think he was a victim of the, the pressure to reach quotas and he never became anything else. And no one actually got in, that invested in him because we never gave them a reason to. And that is not how you're supposed to do it, in my opinion. You know, I don't think that the, the gay community or the black community take anything from this guy that doesn't speak much. He just makes facial expressions. Yeah. And listen, I got a ton of gratitude for the job and I've already stressed that, but 
you almost might as well not even have him there because if the point was to cater to a group and you never gave them a reason to like the, the guy, then if that's progress, I don't think, I think you're doing it wrong. It's, I think we it's, dropped the it's, ball. It's, it's, it's representation without the substance. Yeah, I, we dropped the ball. Here's the outline of the character yeah. without any of the depth of yeah. what could be something really interesting. Here you go. Be happy. Are you happy? There he is. Yeah. I think we, we let some people down. That was... You did L.A. Complex as well. I did, yeah. It's man. another black gay character. Yeah. It was, it, that was at a time... I think he was the only one on TV at the time. It wasn't a massive show, yeah. but he was the only character like that at the time. And this was prior to Frank Ocean coming out. This was prior to anybody really talking about this shit in Hollywood. What was what was the reaction like for something like that? Because that's kind of gra- that's groundbreaking. I got a lot of love from people in that world uh, personally, but like I said, the show wasn't massive, so it didn't reach a lot of people in that way. But it mat it really mattered at that time. I feel you know, especially being black, and he was in a relationship with a, a rapper, a super masculine rapper. Right. That there were no there's openly gay rappers now and hip hop artists, and there wasn't at that time. Yeah. And I thought it was, yeah, like you said, I thought it was pretty, it was one of its kind. Yeah, I was proud of that one. Listen, on an ensemble show like The 100, I understand that this guy maybe wasn't priority number one, right? Or three, four, five, but I think that I just thought there was prime real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do something, and he was almost reduced to security guard a gay black security guard and i thought we could have made a hero you know mm-hmm. but he exists still i guess so that's something i just i as an artist man and someone that really enjoys this i would have loved the opportunity to of course yeah that's make, all make him matter that's all you want yeah. you want to I mean, you train for years to do something like that. Yeah. You have a character that could be really juicy and could really yeah. take you to some of those places. But hey, it's it it's done. Bad. But like, so now, I mean, we're talking about you. You want like something like an HBO or something. It sounds like you for want. Sure. It sounds like you want to dive deep into a complex character. I do because that's the world I know, man. I know messes. I don't come from <laughs> one-dimensional, wholesome stuff, and I like enjoy that too. But I think my wheelhouse is messed up, complicated people. I'm a complicated guy, and that's those. Every actor has their strengths, right? Like, we'd love to believe that we're a jack of all trades that could do anything. It's like I don't, I can't do everything. I can do these certain things really well, and that is. I know people, and I know myself, and I'd like to use all of this crap inside of me that I've had to go through. I'd love to apply that to my job. I'd like the opportunity to do that, and that's what I'd, that's where I'd like to take the direction for sure. Yeah, man, but it ain't up to me. That's the thing, right? But I can definitely put myself in the best position for that to be a reality. And that's my focus is being ready, man. I'm ready again. You're ready again. I'm ready again. You're like, ready yeah. to attack. Ready to attack, man. And, uh, yeah. 
One other thing I want to touch on. Yeah. You're working with Calgary Flames. Yeah. So not only is Jared a talented actor, but you've like kind of branched out creatively, creatively in another way. Mm -hmm. And that's with uh, designing this whole new look for the Calgary Flames and and then others as well. Right. How did this crazy? How did that happen? Well, and what is it? What is it? How did it happen? Well, it's this. Uh, I'm wearing it right now. Huge, massive sports fan. Calgary Flames, my number one team in the world. Lifelong fan. A couple years ago, when I was on Twitter, I would interact with them a lot. They'd interact with me and we kind of became buds. You know, the person that runs the Twitter account, people with the Flames I ended up getting close to, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm in town, I'd go hit a game or they'd take care of me in Vancouver. Uh, good relationship, but we could never really figure out where we should go to work together. We wanted to work together in some way. Yeah. And it kind of goes back. I, I, when I was young, I drew a lot. And I would design shoes and it was a passion of mine was basically sports aesthetic, right? Yeah. And I love sports aesthetic. We talked about my position on the 100. Left me a lot of free time. And one thing an actor has is a lot of free time or none at all. Mm-hmm. When they're busy, they're busy. And when they're, you know, mm-hmm. that I ended up picking up the pen and the pencil again in my trailer and I started doodling around and I've always admired a, a sports team's ability to merge street, not street, but everyday wear with their identity, right? If you could think about like the New York Yankees, you don't have to be a baseball fan to wear a Yankees cap. That's your city. You want to represent your city, right? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I've never really seen that in hockey. So I started drawing, drawing, drawing. I left that alone for about a year. And then when I was living in LA, uh, my good friend Cleo, who we worked together closely on things before, I said, hey, can we get in touch with the Flames? I want to propose something to them. They were kind enough to give me a conference call. I pitched the idea. I said, what about some stuff, really minimal stuff for the ladies or the fellas who just want to represent the city? And I had these designs. This is the second year that we've done it. Uh, the first year was obviously last year. Um, still my proudest moment to date. Uh, lifelong. It's, it's like essentially having your own jersey with your favorite team. It's amazing. Like, Thank you, man. You made it look so good, too. Thank you. You made it look like... I definitely feel that, too. There's, like, some teams you want to cheer for, and you're going to get their stuff, but you don't always want to wear it because no. it's not always... It's not always the best looking. No. And yeah, you don't want to necessarily wear yeah. a, a big jersey. You want a little accented Something, piece that yeah. represents the city. Yeah. So you don't even need to be a, a rabid Flames fan to wear this stuff. And that's what I love. It's like, it's more about the city. It, and, yeah. you know, as a lifelong sports fan and lifelong athlete, yeah, getting to have your own that's thing insane. with the NHL it is insane like, to me. Never made the team, but I feel like I'm on the team. Man. So that's a dream come true, man. It's the coolest thing. And it's an opportunity that was afforded to me through, again, the decision to become an actor and everything. It's like, yeah. Hopefully, we'll do a third year and keep this thing going. You should. Yeah. You should definitely. Thank you. The gear looks so good. It's such cliche to say hockey fans as Canadians, but that's but what it true. is. It's what it is. It's true. Want to be in the NHL when you're a kid? I played growing up, eventually had to give it up, pick up a basketball a lot cheaper, you know, the old cliches, but yeah, hockey was, was my very first dream if I really think about it. So if you want to check out Jared's stuff with Calgary Flames, go check it out. It's on their site. Yeah. Um, Flame sport. Dude, uh, it's so good. 
It's so good. Thank you, sir. I hope I hope you come back to London more. Once a month. All right, we'll talk once a month then. <laughs> okay. All I right. love you, buddy. I love you too.